0: Welcome to The Waggle, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League.
1: Here comes the future Hall of Famer, Ricky Ray. Wow! 100 yards, Ricky Ray to DeFeer Posey.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome once again to The Waggle podcast brought to you by us here at the CFL, CFL.ca. I'm Donald Bennett. You obviously already know. You know, because you're here uh, to listen to him. But remember also uh, to listen, to share, subscribe, and we're now on YouTube. But we're also joined this week by another great player by a GOAT by a Hall of Famer, I'm proud to say. Uh Ricky Ray joins the waggle this week. Ricky, thank you for joining us and first and foremost, congratulations.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um yeah. I got the news a couple of weeks ago from, from Matt Dunnigan, uh, what a special phone call that was, um, for him to tell me, man, I'm, I'm a hall of famer. So I'm super excited and honored. Um, can't wait for September, uh, to go to the, the hall of fame game and do all the stuff that, uh, we get to do and, um, be a part of that. So I'm just waiting to go through that experience and, um, Definitely reminisce a little bit about, uh, you know, playing in the CFL and all the people that uh, helped me along the way. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: I should say first ballot Hall of Famer, right? So next level. Uh, we all knew you were going in, but for you, what was when you get that call, what are the emotions? Are you surprised, relieved, uh, excited?
1: Yeah, I mean um, – I would say mostly excited. Um, You know, I just, uh, when, when I saw Matt's name pop up, I knew something um, special was going to come. I knew the announcements were coming up, so I kind of had a feeling that maybe um, he was calling for that. So um, when he finally did, you know, break that news to me, um, yeah, just kind of uh, an excitement um, honored. Um, Yeah. I mean, all all those feelings kind of went through me and, Um, just can't wait. I mean, it's, it's going to be so, so much fun to get up there and, uh, be back in Canada and, and around the guys again, and, um, just go through all the, the things that they have, um, you know, ready for us. Um, I think once I get through the experience, um, I'll have a better understanding of what it's all about. Um, you know, being around some of the other guys and just going through that whole process. Um, you know, definitely will give me a, a little bit per, better perspective on on what it means to be a Hall of Famer,
0: Ricky. Um, you didn't have to wait too long, like Donovan mentioned. First ballot was not a long wait at all. I mean, we all anticipated and 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 could have predicted this as well, with such an amazing career that you actually had. And you know, i I'm, I'm I'm blessed to even say that I was able to compete against you. Now, when you got that call, what's the first memory that came to mind? Yeah,
1: um, man, I I don't know, I, I I don't really remember what I was thinking about when Matt called, um, as far as a, a CFL memory. But um, you know, I was at, asked this question before, before and um, I've got a, a lot of great memories, man. I mean, there's a lot of memories that come to mind. Um, I kind of feel like my career is di- divided up into two different careers. You know, my first career in Edmonton, uh, the first nine years, and then uh, a lot of, lot of great memories with, with both teams. I uh, was able to play for Grey Cup teams uh, in both franchises. Um, sports is, is kind of dealing with the ups and downs and, you know, the adversity and and also, um, you know, the great moments of, of winning a championship uh, with, with your teammates. So, um, but when I really think about um, the memories that, that come to mind a lot more is is just kind of the everyday things. I mean, just being in the locker room, um, you know, hanging out with the guys, um, you know, even doing stuff, not at the football facility, whether it was, you know, hanging out or golfing or going out after games and then just kind of unwinding with the guys after a big win. So, um, a lot of, a lot of things are flashing through, through my mind when I think about my time in the CFL and, um, and just w- what a great journey, what a great experience. I feel so lucky to to be able to play football and to be able to do it for, you know, I think 16 years in the CFL and, and be around such great people and um, just kind of, you know, have, have a, a very fulfilling, um, you know, experience in a big part of my life.
2: Enoch, I'm going to put you on the spot. Talk what what made Ricky a Hall of Famer for you having had to play against them and uh feel that greatness um give me the scouting report that you have in your mind when you're going into a ricky ray week
0: well first of all i got in you know in the cfl in 2011 so he had already a lot of experience a lot of success so i came in knowing about ricky ray um, a lot about ricky ray and, and and how lethal and dangerous he already was but the scouting report for ricky ray always was this guy is one that's always poised he's one that is relentless and he will find the open throw right and we were always trying to be as efficient and we wanted to always be as prepared as we could be when we played ricky ray one of the reasons why like i mentioned he had a knack for reading defenses and finding the open guy if you make a mistake best believe that ricky ray Will find the mistake, and he will exploit you. And so, you know, for 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 us, we knew Ricky was a smart guy. We knew he was extremely accurate. Um, and uh, the biggest thing, though, that I think um, was one of the, the the attributes that that helped him in his career, at least for the time that I played against him, was um, beyond his relentlessness, um, his just ability to be so poised. In the pocket, poised throughout the game, and um, you know we knew the type of man, the type of leader he was. So you'd have to be on your Ps and Qs whenever you play Ricky Ray.
2: Well, you talked about the longevity—sixteen years, which is uh, a, a great, you know, mark in itself. Never mind the records, never mind the championships. Sixteen years in so many different offenses, right? The Milanovic offense, where you're attacking almost, you know, horizontally. Um, and, and maybe less so vertically, and QB is always right. Obviously, Tressman has very specific principles he wants his quarterbacks to believe in. Can you compare and contrast the different systems you're in and how you were able to succeed no matter who was calling plays for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I got to experience, um, you know, a handful of different coordinators throughout my career, and um. I definitely break kind of break it up into to two, I guess, different parts of my career. In Edmonton, um, we were definitely – I mean, we like to throw the ball down the field. We had Jason Tucker, Fred Stamps, um, Ed Hervey, um, some of those big deep threats. And, I mean, that's where I learned to throw the corner route, um, having those great receivers with all that space, um, you know, being able to, to just put some air under the ball and let them go make some great catches. And um, I really – Felt like we were much more of a a vertical offense, especially the first part of my career. And then um, the second half, when I got to Toronto uh, under Coach Milanovic, it was um, it was a West Coast style system where, um, you know, we weren't as much vertical. We were more, you know, spreading the 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 field out more horizontally, like you said, Um, you know, trying to throw more high percentage stuff. Um, you know, get the ball into the receiver's hands a little bit quicker, um, try not to put as much uh, pressure on our offensive line, to, you know, hold, as we're holding on to the ball, trying to throw it deep. And, and I think defense has changed too throughout my career. I think um, early on, you know, you'd see a fair amount of man coverage. Uh, or as my career evolved, I think defenses has um, really started to evolve as well. I mean, we saw a lot more different zones, um, and it, it zone blitzes all different uh kinds of defenses were, were kind of thrown our way, so we we kind of changed with that with um more horizontal, I guess, pass plays. So, um, and I, I think it helped me out too because I i hurt my shoulder in in 2013, and um, you know, I had to get surgery after the 2014 season, and I i mean, I i didn't have much in my arm left, you know, after the 2014. 2013 season and uh for me i really needed that horizontal game you know when when Tressman came in and and uh, brought his offense in he said you know it's fine we, we just need to to manage the horizontal game we don't have to throw deep too much um and that really benefited uh my style of player my limitations i had uh, towards the end of my career and um you know, thankfully I I was able to mesh up with him and and to be able to have the the 2017 season um, with his guidance um, and kind of, I guess, put a cherry on top of my career. Um, You know, I won some great cups early in my career in Edmonton and then my first year in Toronto, but it'd been, you know, five or so years in Toronto, just kind of battling some injuries and kind of going on that roller coaster of missing a lot of games. And then to to be able to have that full season with with coach tressman in 2017 before i got hurt in, in 2018 um was just uh, a great cherry on top like i said uh you know to go out with with one more great cup
0: speaking speaking of great cups donovan i'd like to ask you this ricky and i i often ask this question to to, to people of your caliber your stature who've won multiple great cups right you're extremely well decorated. We talk about the great cups, you know, endless the awards when it comes to team awards, all stars, and all the recognition that was well deserved as well. When we talk about the great cups, I remember speaking with uh, another Hall of Famer, uh, Mike Shea, you know, at the linebacker position, and and then I asked him this question as well that I will I actually want to ask you as well. I asked him what was his most valuable um, uh, championship right and he talked about a lot of the times what the one that 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 meant the most to him was one where he played for one of his teammates which one would you say was your most valuable ring when you look back and I know it's tough I know each of them are special but which one would you say man this one this one right here I don't know if we fought really hard for it but which one's your most valuable ring you would say
1: Yeah. I mean, each one has its own story. Um, each one has its own kind of significance. Um, but definitely the 2017 for me is the most valuable, I guess, to me just because of, you know, what we had been through in Toronto, you know, when I first got traded there in in 2012, we, we won the gray cup and things were really going in, in a great direction for us. And, um, you know, we had some good years there the next year in 2013 and then, we just kind of got on a, um, you know, just a little bit of a roller coaster with uh, missing the playoffs for a couple of years. I got hurt, missed a lot of games. Really, after the 2016 season, um, I really didn't know what was going to happen to me that following season. Um, I didn't know if, um, you know, if I was going to be back in Toronto. I didn't know if, um, if I was going to be back in Toronto. Would I had to? Would I be? Have a chance to be the starter? Was I going to be a a backup to Drew Willey, uh, who they went and got in a trade? So everything was kind of up in the air. And and to throw on top of that, um, you know, Barker and Milanovic were, you know, they were uncertain if they were going to be back as well. And uh, so that offseason was, you know, you're just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. And then um, Barker got fired. uh, Milanovic left for the NFL and then they they hired Mark Trussman. And I remember getting the phone call from Mark. And, um, he was, you know, he basically said, you know, how you, how you feeling Ricky? What are you, you know, what do you, what are you thinking? And I just told him, Hey, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I just want to have an opportunity to come and compete in camp. And, um, he said, you know what, like you, you're the starting quarterback, um, going into training camp, you're the starting quarterback. And, uh, that's, I think you've earned it, you know, throughout your career and, just being able to have him show that much confidence and belief in me from the get-go just really gave me a good, um, good feeling going into that year. And then uh, just being able to, to go through everything we went through in 2017 and just start playing some great football towards the end of the year and kind of go on that run we went on. And uh, to beat Calgary, um, probably who was very heavily favored in that game, um, you know, the way we did in the last few minutes of the game, uh, with a big fumble turnover and um, then getting an the interception to, to seal the game. Um, you know, just a great story for us as a team, but also looking back for for me as a, as a player as well who um, battled some injuries, didn't know what was going to happen that year, and then kind of getting a, a, another chance to, to be the starter again to kind of end my career, um, as I said, with the Great Cup. Uh, I definitely think that's the, the most valuable one.
2: Well, the whole. CFL community is looking forward to celebrating you and your career in a big way. September 16th, the class of 2022 uh, officially uh, gets their flowers. And then at halftime of the game the next day at Tim Hortons Field, between the Tiger Cats and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, you will be honored. I I wish for you to really enjoy the entire process. And I wish for you that you like your bust, that you're happy with the way the bust looks um but we really appreciate the time thank you so much ricky and congrats
1: yeah thanks guys yeah thank you very much man like i said i'm so so excited and honored and uh can't wait for that game in september and um to kind of go through that process so uh thanks again i'm really thankful for my time in the cfl and all the players and coaches that helped me along the way so um, i'm definitely looking forward to it
0: Now's the time to let them know, to raise your voice and raise your game for glory, for your city, for your turn. CFL, let them know.
2: Enoch, Ricky speaks the way he plays. Cool, poised, doesn't get too excited. In in, in terms of, you know, QB speak and how uh, defensively we talked about QBs, you can't speed him up. He's playing at his pace. He's answering questions at his pace, but I want to know from you because we just had um you know a bunch of uh people go into the hall. Hank, yeah, coach O. Um, obviously we're talking about Ricky. When you see some of the greats in the game, do you start to think, man, what would that be like for me? What would it be like if I got that call, if I had that bust? Um, if I, you know, had the flowers and the photos with my family, do you start to go to that place?
0: I, I try to stop myself from, from going there. The it, it's tough when one, I mean, we're on the show, my co hosts ask me questions about it, and then you know, I, I have some coaches that I've played with, uh, you know, for in the past who, who, who say that to me, and I have teammates, young, te- young guys right now that you know, that say that to me from time to time. So it, it's hard not to go there. Um, But to me, really, just to be thought about, you know, in that realm and possible future, you know, HOF, um, it to me really is a blessing. You know, when I look back at, at my career, I know it sounds like I, I'm about to retire, but when I look back at my career, I'm, I'm still around for, for some time. But when I look back, you know, I always think about the blessing that it is for me to even be where I am today and to have played for as long as I have. And so, um, you know, if I were not to play another down, I'd be more than um, not just proud, but, you know, happy with the career that I've had. And, you know, if if that were ever to happen and I get that done again, that done again, that done again call, um, I don't even know what would happen. But um, I'm, I'm ex- extremely blessed to have made it to you know, the, the, this place in my career. And, and to be honest with you, I try not to go too far ahead. I'm really trying to just win a great cup this year. That's, that's the biggest goal right now, Donovan.
2: I hear you. Well, why don't we break down uh, the games uh, do this it. week? Because you're you're one oh on the quest uh, to, to getting that great cup. But did it, does it feel like a win or did it feel like you salvaged not a loss? Because I, I don't want I don't I don't want to start the podcast you know on a negative after we had such a high, but weren't really getting off the field on, on second down when you could put the game away, um, you know didn't capitalize in the red zone with with sixes and some some uh, missed opportunity with field goals which which rarely happens with Boris. Mm-hmm. Leaving that locker room, did you, did you feel like good? We started the journey with a win, or do did you, did you feel like oh? We we, we kind of we got away with
0: one. Um you feel you always feel like it's it's a win is a win. That's the first thing, right? When you win a game in CFL, you're you're extremely happy because when you lose it, especially early on in the season like this, the wins matter so much more in the end, but you want to be able to get everything that you can get. And so the, the win matters. Um, you're not extremely happy about it, but at the end of the day. The win matters and you take it and you move on. But the biggest thing about it, you take the lessons from it and you make sure that you fix the things that you can fix. And when we look, when we talk about it one another and we look at each other, um, um, you're right, you know, it was a win, but we knew that it wasn't the best showing that we could definitely, you know, put on the field for our team.
2: I wasn't sure if you said the win matters or the wind matters because you had some help. When that field goal sailed wide, when you saw it, which most people thought was a chip shot, when you saw it missed, I mean, on TV, we saw Kari Jones' reaction. He screamed, oh, no. Um, what was your reaction?
0: I mean, I was jumping. You could see it on the tape. I'm jumping. I'm pointing to the sky saying, thank God. But at the same time, too, there's different ways to look at it. We also looked at it from the standpoint that we we applied a lot of pressure, rushing, you know, while, you know, every time – yeah, that their kicker, their field goal team came on the field, and so um, we also believe that part of it had to do with the fact that we had a big open, you know, every time we put him in the in in in, in, in right inside of the kicker, so that he has to think about it, and so um, maybe that's the reason why he kicked it far left um, for him. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, hey, look, we got the dub, we take the lessons, and we move on to BC.
2: Well, Montreal moves on uh, 0-2, and they also move on with maybe a bit of a quarterback controversy. Uh, we talked about Vern Adams Jr. and his leadership, come back from injury, you know, flying the team out uh, to train in the offseason. This was going to be his year to take that step, be one of the faces of the league. Not only are we in week two and he was pulled, he was pulled early in the ball game, which makes me feel, you went into that game as a staff thinking we're looking for a reason to pull him out and put Trevor Harris uh, under center. You know, the, there were some assumptions that, you know, Trevor Harris might be the front office's QB and Vern Adams might be the coaching staff's QB. But ultimately, when you're removing your starting QB that early in a ball ballgame, that's, that's a, a message. You prepared for – well, I, I shouldn't assume. Maybe you prepared for both guys, but I, I assume you weren't prepared to see Va removed from the game that early. Well, how did you how did you internalize what you saw there?
0: You you just got to roll with the with, with the punches, right? Um, but but you're right. I, I think that there's a lot going on in that organization. I mean, it, it's tough when Kahari and really his coaching staff were there prior to the new you know management that came in over there um with Danny Machocha and so i think there's a little bit of back and forth going on and um until things get lined up and straightened up and i think from above beyond even the players i i think it's going to be tough for them to move forward um but you're right it's a loud message that is sent to see the guy that you claim is your starting quarterback and um i don't know if he will if Vernon Adams jr was actually you know the management quarterback as opposed to the coaching quarterback i really think that that's the guy that they chose to lead their team and the message really that was sent by pulling him so early in the game is look we don't have confidence in you and we want to let trevor um you know trevor roll and trevor he's a very capable quarterback not just this past game but you know, over the course of his career. And so it's going to be interesting to see them going forward. Will there be more changes going forward? Will uh, Vernon Adams start next game? Or will Trevor Harris be the starter for next game? But that
2: is officially a quarterback controversy over there in Montreal. Yeah, I'm always a firm believer at the pro level. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one, right? Like this is not Steve Spurrier where we can just shuttle people in and out and play quarterback. It's different where for example in hamilton uh, they had a starter who got hurt and they had a backup who played at a high level and maybe arguably higher than the level the starter had previously played um so yeah that, that bears watching uh always intriguing um the quarterback position in the cfl uh, speaking of quarterbacks i I, think, I know it seems ridiculous that we, we should give him his flowers because um all he's done is lifted trophies recently but Zach Claros, 19-2 since being acquired by Winnipeg uh, from Toronto, gets another win against the Red Blacks. Winnipeg g- goes 2-0 and 0 against the Red Blacks in the home-and-home home to start the year. But oddly enough, like you know, didn't really look convincing in either win, but a win is a win. On the flip side, Ottawa was very competitive, but they're 0-2. And and you could argue they found ways to lose and not win. Has your appraisal of either team changed from two weeks ago before the season started?
0: I would say there's a lot of questions that, you know, kind of were answered from the Ottawa side. We wanted to see a more, you know, competitive Ottawa team. And they definitely are competitive. Now, look, you never want to just be competitive. You want to be able to win. And so I'm sure... In that locker room, in the front office, they're not satisfied with being able to compete with, you know, the back-to-back champs. But at the same time, I also tell you this: in on the Winnipeg side, I know it wasn't necessarily as close as you know, missed missed field goal. But I'm sure they go back in there and they say, "Man, look, we we're, we're better than this, right?" And it could be a trap in professional sports and in, in highly competitive sports. The way that this league is set up to think about it that way. But at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure Winnipeg is saying we should be way better than, than Ottawa. This is a team that just was assembled. Um, they shouldn't be able to hang with us. As a matter of fact, I've been on a lot of teams and I've heard it a lot of times where hey, look, let's kick these guys out of the park. Cause they, they don't belong on the same field as us. And that seems to me the kind of model or mindset that Winnipeg would approach a game like that. And so we always talk about moral victories. And we don't really believe in them, but to Ottawa's side, I think that they're 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 happy, but not
2: satisfied for sure. Well, Winnipeg gets Hamilton this week. Uh great cup rematch. Uh great cup rematch with two teams though, um, with opposite records. Hamilton 0-2. Man, that that was the, the loss of the weekend. You're up twenty-four-three at halftime over Calgary. And quite frankly, the score could have been worse uh, in in terms of the discrepancy, some ball security issues, and all of a sudden Calgary comes back and wins it uh, in overtime. Uh, We'll get to Calgary and and get to Bo and whether or not Bo is back. Uh, But, um, you know, that's a a bad loss for Hamilton uh, at home. And now they've got the defending champs. Or else they're going zero and three um, in what I expected to be a very competitive East, um, although so far it's not looking like, this is so competitive. Um, your your level of concern um, if you're in Hamilton is what?
0: It's pretty high. It's it's extremely high. I mean, they know that they want to get back to the Grey Cup, right? They made some changes. The front office I think feels a little bit of pressure too because. Remember, they chose Dane Evans over uh, Mazzoli. And so I think there's a lot that goes into that decision and the repercussion. If they don't go to the breakup, which we've already established they won't, they're going to have to answer a lot of questions. And to be honest with you, you never want to start 0-2, let alone 0-3. And And so um, to lose the way that they did, it hurts. It hurts a lot, and it sucks a lot. Now, I can't promise you or uh, tell you that I wasn't sitting on a chair and, and grinning while I was watching the comeback happen and, and the collapse happened right in front of my eyes. I can't say that I wasn't smiling as well, uh, but the level of concern is definitely high in Hamilton. But, you know, they got a leader in Coach Ho, who obviously was also inducted in the Hall of Fame for a reason, who I think, you know, is a great leader. And he's going to inspire those guys. And you can never really count those guys out on the East.
2: Yeah, the, the good news for them is that at 0-2, they're tied for second place uh, in the East. As everyone outside of your Toronto Argonauts has struggled to start the season in the East. And quite frankly, making me look like a liar. Because coming into this year, I was saying, look at free agency, look at the movement of the quarterbacks. The East is going to be the dominant uh division, got question marks at quarterback in BC, what's going to happen with Bo, um, and all of a sudden, um, you know, the, the West so far um, has been best. Um, speaking of the West and, and being best, Bo, um, he was on his Draymond Green, screaming at the TSN panel, uh, was feeling some type of way, right. for, for up with the play, just from a mentality standpoint, is, is that good? If you're a Stampeder fan to see him, you know, uh, uh, back to his demonstrative self?
0: I mean, 1,000%. I mean, what, what do they say? Never underestimate the heart of a champion. And don't forget, Bolivar is a champion. He's won before, and he knows what it takes. And I just liked the way that that game progressed, not just because, you know, I wanted to see Hamilton lose, but to see the trust that Dickinson had, in Bo Levi despite the tall task I was ahead of him and for Bo to still remain poised and remain confident and just rally the troops and bring these guys back and and ultimately get the W it was really good to see and see the excitement in Bo Levi Mitchell and once again the way that he was you know after the game and when he approached the desk and, and, and the panel and whatnot it's really great to see if you're a Calgary fan you have got to be excited and looking forward to next week for sure
2: Speaking of champions, we got to talk about the city of champions. They lose again. Uh, they, they are the West team that has started 0-2 as, you know, they weren't able to beat Saskatchewan, although they looked better. Still a loss. They were 0-8 at home last season. Now it's nine straight losses at home. Arbuckle looked a bit better. He, he found, um it, you know, that vertical touch. Um but you're looking at two programs in Saskatchewan who's who's had some consistency for a while and Edmonton who's looking to to kind of build and get back to that level was that a fair assessment of of what we saw between those two
0: no absolutely absolutely i mean edmonton had a better showing right cuz the game was about to start and you're kind of cringing at the tv these guys had 52 points if i'm not mistaken put on them the previous week is it going to be another blowout you know against a really good Saskatchewan team and so you think about it you're cringing then you you know as the game progresses you see them playing very well staying in the game and 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 you're happy because like you mentioned they played a lot better they had a better showing but unfortunately better is just not good enough not good enough for I know some of the players on the team and really for coach Jones and so um they're not happy on that side and they got a lot of things to fix and a lot of people, I think, when you watch that game, you look at the the sack by Larry Dean, the sack fumble, and that was a huge turnover and whatnot. But I don't know if that was the biggest play in that game. Because when I look at it, first of all, Larry Dean, so glad to see him back and play at the level that he did after the Achilles injury that he had last year. But I don't know if that was a play of the game. To me, Edmonton was really mounting a comeback. They were really about to turn the momentum in their favor and there was a blitz that was called ironically surprisingly chris jones dialed up a blitz and the defensive ran to the right side as toby Antigua, the free, the free safety was blitzing up the middle blitzed a little bit too tight and let out uh fajardo on the left side and he finds a wide open receiver for a touchdown that to me was the game changer that to me was what stopped everything and started really the crumble on the Edmonton side. So it's about the details, the details, the details, and you can see when you watch a game like that or that particular game that Chris Jones still has a lot of work to do when it comes to the details of the defense that he calls. Now, look, he trusts in his defense. He's one with his defense. He is not going to change, unfortunately, and I know Jones very well, and I've been in a lot of his meetings He's going to bring in the guys that are going to execute, and he's going to do his very best to try and teach the guys that are in the locker room right now.
2: Yeah, you mentioned Larry Dean had those seven tackles. You know, there was a rash of injuries beginning of last year. Um, No bigger name uh, to go down than his, so it's good to see him making plays again. He's going to have to make some plays this week. Thursday, Saskatchewan goes to Montreal. Not sure if Gary Stern is going to have any tough talk on Twitter. But who will or won't be killed by his owls. I'm not sure if you and your Argonaut teammates felt the type of way about that. Certainly it was a storyline throughout the game is uh, constantly cutting to his box to see his reaction to the proceedings. Um, but now he'll be at home in his box in Montreal as Saskatchewan uh, goes to La Belle Provence. Um, what are you looking for in that matchup?
0: First of all, who is going to be distributing the ball on the Montreal Alouette side? That's the very first question. And I think everyone is going to be looking for that. But next is, how are they going to bounce back again? Um, you never want anybody else to fuel the, uh, the the opposing team. It's hard enough to compete at this level. It's hard enough to compete against you know great players and great athletes on the other side. So it's tough when you got somebody else fueling the, 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 the other side. But at the end of the day, hey, look, these guys have pride. These guys believe in themselves. And it's going to be a really, really, really tough game for the Montreal West as they face a the Saskatchewan team that seems like they're rolling, seems like um, they're gelling very well. And, you know, they're making this trip and, and I'm sure they don't want to go back home without that W.
2: Team that doesn't want to go home without a W is Hamilton. They go to Winnipeg. Are we going to get to the point where it's desperation time for Hamilton? Some tendency breakers some trick plays just to steal some points, steal some field position, steal a win. Uh, What are you looking for in that matchup?
0: Absolutely. I I expect a lot of creativity from coach Tommy, um, you know, out there in, 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 in Hamilton, he's going to open up the playbook. He's going to try some different things. I think that, um, you know, playing a, Obviously, the back-to-back defending champs is not an easy thing, especially when they're home out there in in, in Winnipeg. So it's going to be a tough game for them out there. Um, Obviously, I hope that they will go out there and lose as well. Um, But, um, you know, Winnipeg, I think, has a lot to prove to themselves. Um, you know, I spoke to a few of them and, and and you can hear them when they talk about their team. They're they're not really happy and they continue to win. And so there's a level of, 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 of confidence that they know that they have in themselves that they're not really showing right now. Um, and I think that they feel like they're not playing to the standard that they should be playing at. And so it's going to be an interesting matchup over there. Um, Hamilton has a lot to show. Hopefully they don't win it, but um, it's going to be a tall task for them out there in Winnipeg coming off of this um, you
2: know, terrible crumble. Another team who is happy to get the win but probably can be playing better, uh, Calgary. They host Edmonton. Maybe Calgary looking for some revenge after how things went down in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Tough draw for the Elks. Another team who doesn't want to go to 0-3. Maybe the rivalry will, will, will juice things up. What are you looking for in that game?
0: Look, Calgary is gonna come. They have a lot of confidence. You know, the type of win that they just had is something that they're gonna be talking about for the rest of the season. Having a win like that under your belt is always confidence building, and it's something that's gonna help them, not just this following week, but for the weeks to come. And so um they're gonna try and duplicate what they did last week, and obviously the probably the latter half of the of the game rather than the beginning, and um they're gonna utilize. The ability to score, the ability to remain poised. Um, you know, it's it's dangerous to have a team go like do uh something that Calgary did last week because now they can be down and they'll always believe that they'll come back. Um, so that game is going to be an interesting one. And listen, we got it, it. It's got to show up at some point, and Edmonton has got to show up. Listen, it's going to happen, one way or another. Chris Jones has been there before. He's done it before. He's coached these teams before. The one thing that I I look at when I look at the Edmonton Elks, when I look at the Edmonton Elks, I know that it's still the beginning of the of the season. Chris Jones is implementing a lot of different packages, and again, what I think I'm Chris Jones is over there preaching is details, details, and details. I talked to like again, like I mentioned, a few of my teammates, former teammates that play for him right now that know him very well, and that's the exact same thing that they keep repeating. You know, it's the little things. It's the little things that were not there quite yet. So they're going to try to execute a little bit better. It's going to be an interesting game.
2: Well, I need the Toronto Argonauts to execute a little bit better. Difficult road trip. You get to go and run around and chase the great Canadian White Hope, Nathan Rourke. Uh, difficult road trip for the Argos. I don't know uh, about you growing up as a kid, but I constantly remember Argos teams that I cheered for going out to BC, playing that late-night game, and it's, it's a late game on Saturday, staying up only to see the Argos get slapped. Something about going there, playing late. BC is 31-16-2, and uh, hosting the Argos in BC, and have won the last two. Now, Enoch, you didn't travel there in 2021 with an abbreviated season, so you haven't done this trip as an Argonaut, but you've actually done it even farther. As an Alouette, why is it so difficult to go out west? It, it It's it's tough.
0: You're traveling back in time. You know, you got to turn your clocks back. You're used to a, spe- a specific schedule. And now it's got to change. And, um, you know, you got to get acclimated to the time and, and, and everything that comes with that. So it's, it's always difficult to play a game like that. Whether it's it's a night game and typically you're usually in the middle of your sleep on the East Coast, it, it's, it's always hard to do that. And there's different schools of thoughts. I've been in different teams where when you're playing a cross-country game, you travel the day of and just hope to catch up and, and play the game on, on the energy that you have and go back home. And I've been on some teams where I feel like we've had more success. And this is what we're doing this year. Um, we're traveling two days ahead. We're traveling two days ahead of the game and try to get acclimated with the time and practice over there and get kind of used to uh, B.C. time. And hopefully that's going to bold well for us. But I'm excited to play against the great Canadian White Hope, as you you've dubbed him. Um, but I, I want to see this kid go right. Um, he's played again. We just acknowledge that Edmonton, we don't feel at least I don't feel that they've gotten the details of Chris Jones defense um, yet. And, you know, he was able to capitalize off of that as well as his running back, Butler, did an amazing job, you know, when he played against the Edmonton Elks as well. So um, we're trying to give him a challenge. We want to see how, how much how much he he can read uh, defenses. I think we're going to throw a lot of different things at him. Um, you know, I've been talking to my defensive coordinator already, and we, we're excited for the challenge that he's going to bring, and uh, we, we want to see how real he really is.
2: Well, thank you for selling the game and making all of us Canadians want to stay up and watch. That is great promo from Enoch Womble. I'll get my promo on. Uh, This is the Waggle Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please like. Please share. Please subscribe. Please follow us on Twitter, NIG. Uh, And tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Uh, It is the Waggle. Thank you so much for listening. And shout out to Ricky Ray. First ballot, Hall of Famer, well-deserved.